My name is Melinda Butler. I'm an attorney with Butler Law Firm. The longer I practiced law, the more I recognized the confusion that existed around the rights of parents and grandparents involved in Department of Social Services legal matters. For that reason, I started Facebook Live in November of 2019 and this podcast in October of 2020 called Family Strong to build your family unit through character, integrity, and knowledge for parents and grandparents in the legal issues of the DSS system. Hey, good afternoon. Melinda Butler with Family Strong Podcast. On this Thursday afternoon, thank you for joining me today, and we're going to talk a little bit about some DSS um, information. I got some good information that I'm going to give you uh, as we go through, but I'm going to talk to you first about um, hope when DSS does have your child, and in in the particular case that I'm going to talk to you about when you are working a minimum wage job and when you are, um, when, when you have that state appointed attorney. So we're going to talk about a case where uh, specifically where uh, kids were moved out of foster care after being in there for over a year in foster care. And I'm going to tell you how the mama did what she did to get those kids back. So it wasn't wasn't me. It wasn't my office. This was the mama's doings. And I want to encourage you um, as as you listen to give you the control to to empower you to know that you can take steps that will help you to get your children back. So I'm going to Um, As we go through, I'm going to talk to you about this document that I've now created uh, that I want to give out to all of my DSS clients, um, appointed and otherwise. And I I want you all, though, to take this uh, information and use it and be hopeful and be encouraged and don't give up. Don't lose. Don't lose hope. Um, Faith is the thing not yet seen, but is hoped for. So that's where I want you to come from. So this uh, this case that I'm going to talk to you about, um, the children were in foster care for over a year. During that time, DSS would not help the mother do anything to get reunited with her kids. They were just they were they were done. DSS was taken the position that they were not going to help this mother. She had they they took the position that she had a history with DSS and that they were not going to do anything. They were not going to tell her what classes to take. They were not going to pay for any services for her. Um, They just were not going to take any steps towards helping her reunite with her children. Well, this mother took it upon herself during this time frame, during this full year that her kids were in foster care. And even though DSS wouldn't help her. So normally DSS has to make referrals for the family. They have to make referrals for the mama um, to go to this type of class or this type of class. So for example, if it's a drug case, if the kids were taken because the mama was smoking some marijuana, which um, is really not legal for kids to be taken just because a parent smokes marijuana, it has to be shown that the 
uh, marijuana usage or the drug usage affects the child um, and puts the child at significant risk of death or permanent disfigurement of a bodily organ or function. So just using drugs in and of itself is not abuse and neglect. But in any event, if that's the case and there's drug use involved and DSS is referring you to alcohol and drug classes, then they're supposed to call or send over the information to your local alcohol and drug center. And they're supposed to say, hey, so-and-so is going to come at such and such time and we're going to pay for her services and she needs to do this and she needs to do that. And then they make recommendations. And then when you go for your assessment, the uh, alcohol and drug facility, they make the recommendations of what you need as far as um, services to help you be clean and not use, not use the drugs. So um, that's how referrals are normally made. In this case that we're talking about, DSS wouldn't make those referrals. So the mama took it upon herself. Like seriously, when we went to court, she had 11 certificates in her hand for us to present to the judge to say, even though DSS hadn't helped her, this is what she's done. And we presented, even though she worked uh, as at a fast food place, she worked at a fast food uh, restaurant as a cook. So um, definitely not a high paying job, but even though that's where she was working, she still made it every effort, every day. She made it her intent that she was going to get up that day and she was going to figure out what she could do to take one step forward to try to get her kids closer to getting her kids back. And she knew that was a road, a hard road that she was going to have to take. She knew that that was not going to be easy. DSS told her, we are not going to help you get your kids back. We are taking the position that we're going to forego reasonable efforts to reunite your family, meaning we're not going to do anything. They normally have a duty to put families back together. In this case, they were taking the position that they did not because of the mother's history. So the mother stepped out every single day. She got up and she made some kind of step. And I will tell you, there was many days that the mother felt like just so overwhelmed, you know, day after day. Can you imagine just day after day for 30 days of that month, week after week for the next six weeks, for the next 12 weeks, for the next six months, for the next nine months. And it just went on and on. And, uh, and, and how the mother could have given up hope at any time. She could have just washed her hands of it and said, I'm just done. I can't do anymore. I mean, because she was really, really, um, you know, distraught. Her kids were in foster care and she was doing everything she possibly could. So that brings me to this um, to this action step as, as we worked through this with the mother for that year. And, and, and I cannot take credit for that. She really worked this thing on her own. Like I, I would talk through. So this is one thing that she did though. She kept in, in contact with her caseworker. She would contact her caseworker and she would wait for that call back. And if she did not get a call back, she would contact her caseworker again three days later and she would leave another voicemail. And what she did, she was always very nice. She was firm, but she was nice. She never lost it um, with the casework. She never lost her cool, even though she was very frustrated many times along the way. But she would keep in contact with her caseworker. But the other thing she would do is she would keep in contact with my office. So we were constantly setting up phone meetings so that we could figure out what's the next step. And when I say constantly, constantly to 
us would be, you know, twice a month at the most. Um, but that's communication. When you're communicating with the people on your on your team, when you're communicating with the people in the system, your DSS caseworker, your attorney, the child's guardian ad litem, those are all ways for you to take constructive steps towards getting your children returned to you. So if you have... Um, if you don't have the caseworker's name and number, then you need to get that. You need to get that from DSS. You need to get that from your attorney. You need to get that from your guardian ad litem, your children's guardian ad litem. If you don't have the guardian ad litem's information, you need to get that. Like this, the, the, the best way to break it down is that the caseworker has a lot of cases, probably 75 to 100. They're working on caseloads, but that, that's probably a good number average. You have one case, mama. So you stay on the caseworker in a very nice way and in a patient way. So when the caseworker tells you, you know, uh, give me give me 10 days and let me check on it. So give the caseworker 10 days, give the caseworker 15 days and then call the caseworker back and say, hey, I'm just checking to see, you know, what's going on. That's what this mama was doing. Like she was being very patient, but she was being very proactive and proactive is the key word here today. Proactive is what I want you to understand that you need to be throughout your DSS case. Proactive will never hurt you in a nice way that's where we run into problems a lot of times. The parents, they don't know how to hold their emotions back. So the more proactive they are trying to be, the more they get emotional and they can't hold back that anger and that frustration and they want to take it out on the caseworker. Well, don't take it out on the caseworker. Um, make a make a step for each day before you go to bed each night what step you're going to take the next day to work on getting your kids back whether that step is just i'm going to pick up the phone and i'm going to call alcohol and drug and see if i have an appointment coming up i'm going to pick up the phone and i'm going to call the parenting class and i'm going to see if i have an appointment coming up i'm going to call my caseworker and i'm going to see if there's something that i'm supposed to be doing so just step by step that's 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 what the whole thing boils down to is what step you can take each day to make it be a, a progress, to make it be a path that you're on. Because a lot of times that's all it is. It's just your perspective. It's just your thoughts and it's your ability to persevere and believe in yourself and believe that you're going to get your children back. So if you give up hope and you give up that it don't matter what I do, they're not going to come back to me anyway, then that's it. You've decided your own fate. But if you will keep that hope alive and you will believe that I can do something today, I can take this step today. And if that day, you know, if you've took the step today on this Thursday and you're just you're just done for the day, you're just out of it. You, you, you're so exhausted, emotionally exhausted, because it is very emotionally taxing on these parents to have their children in state custody and feel that their hands are tied and they can't do nothing about it. They feel so helpless. And what do parents do? What does anybody do in that situation? They turn to something else that they can control. And if they already had a drug addiction, if they already had a drug problem, that's when it's so tempting to turn back to those drugs. You know, 
this is the 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 point that I would give to you. The pointer um, that I would give to you is put a picture of yourself and your children on your refrigerator to where you look at that every day and every day or in some other place, you know, your bathroom mirror, wherever. And every day you think about what step am I going to take today and not to beat yourself up about it, but to say, what can I do? And, and, Say a prayer over that. I mean, the Holy Spirit can help you understand your next step better than anything or any person in the system can help you understand your next step. So pray over that because this is not just a legal system. This involves uh, this involves working together. This involves balance. This involves um humans. And so human systems um, are not perfect by any means. We do have good systems of justice for the most part. I, I do prefer that we have jury trials in these kinds of cases just because I think that we need 12 jurors or at least six jurors of our peers to decide what is really abuse and neglect instead of just one person in a black robe deciding what is abuse and neglect because our community needs to decide what's abusive and what's neglectful of children. And so we need to uh, further that. But as far as the system itself goes, um, the system as a whole, uh, needs a lot of work. The system as a whole uh, takes children and puts children away in uh, foster homes and sometimes don't even go back and check on the children. So I can feel the parents' helplessness that they feel. I can understand their frustration that they, you know, it's a parent's duty to protect their child. And if they can't, if they can't even get to their child or even know where their child is or even speak on the phone to their child, they do feel helpless and want to fall back into those ways that got them here to start with. So that brings me and, and, uh, instead of me just ending it at dooms right there, let me remind you again that the story that I talked about when I first started today was that mama who did everything. Like she even went and got certified uh, in her job, like a serve safe certificate, serve safe or safe serve, some kind of certificate um, to get a promotion at her fast food employment so that she could get a little bit more pay on the hour so that she could pay for these services that she was having to do. So there's always something that you can be doing. Um, and, and I know that even when we feel that loss of hope, I want you to be encouraged and I want you to remember this mama. And I want you to think about this too. If you're really in the situation, like we had somebody the other day that um, contacted and said, you know, I, I just want to get my kids home. I don't know what else to do about it. If you're really in that situation, we can probably hook you up with some of our mamas who have got their kids back and they would be willing to mentor you to tell you how they went through the process of getting their kids back and how they kept the faith to be able to get their kids back. Cause it's hard to keep that faith understood. So if, if, um, if that's the, um, if that sounds like you mama, that you just at, at your end of your road and you just need to know what to do next, as far as um, getting some encouragement, then, then we can ask um, some folks if they're willing to help, you know, people are willing to help other people that want to help themselves. I, I learned that a lot as I went through my time um, as a waitress and trying to make it through school as a single parent through undergrad and, and then through law school. If you're willing to help yourself, people can tell that. Now, if you're just putting it out there to say, I want to do this and I want to do that, but you're not putting any any boots on the ground, you're not putting uh, power behind that, you're not putting action behind that, then it's just words. They're just going to go into the air and evaporate and they're not going anywhere. But if you'll put some action behind it and people see that, then people are willing to step in. Um, this is the actions for success, though. The paper that we've now made up um, 
what we have found that's helped our clients along the way as they struggle through this process is communication. Basically, communication is key. Uh, be nice is number one, though. You do not want to find yourself in a situation where you have lost your cool in the DSS office and we get a trial and somebody from that office comes in and testifies about all the stuff that you went off and said in that office and all the explicatives that we will not say on here. It does not work well. It's not abusive or neglectful by any means. I agree. And I, I will still work with you and, and most of your attorneys will too. Um, but it don't help your case. Be nice. Be nice and know that you're in control because you can take steps to do what you're supposed to be doing. And the key step is to communicate. Communicate with your caseworker on a, a biweekly basis every other week and just touch base. If you got the caseworker's uh, text, you, which usually you do, you can uh, text the caseworker and you can say, hey, I'm just checking in today. Um, anything that I need to be doing today? Anything that I can do today? Um you know, contact your, your provider, whoever you're going to, if you're going for counseling, contact them and say, Hey, I'm just making sure I don't have an appointment. That's the number one thing is you miss these appointments. You know, if you don't have transportation, you don't have a way to get there. Um, check with somebody at your, at your uh, DSS office and see if they can um, arrange transportation. And I know transportation is, is very difficult sometimes, especially in the rural areas where there's not public transportation. Um, the other thing that uh, we need to understand and what this uh, what this particular uh, mama did that, that got those kids out of foster care, um, bring stuff to the visit. You know, it's it's so important that you're providing for your children along the way. I know it, it seems like, well, I don't even know if they're going to be able to wear this outfit. I don't know if the DSS is going to keep the outfit. I don't know if the foster parents are going to put the outfit on the child. That's not for you to know. What's for you to know is that you did what you were supposed to do. You brought the outfit mm -hmm. for the child. You brought the child a pair of shoes. You brought some diapers. You brought some formula. You brought um, some some food, you know, just different things that you know that your child would need if your child was with you, regardless what happens to the stuff after the fact. It's not on you to worry about what happens to it after the fact. I know it's hurtful if you are going out and spending your very hard-earned money, uh, money that's real hard to come by, on an outfit for the child and never wear it, but that part's not on you. The part that's on you is to buy it and provide it. Um, you would be having to provide for your child if they were in your care, so provide for them when they are outside of your care. And then thirdly, um, and, and I'm breaking it down into just three on here, but there's a lot of stuff on this sheet right here. And I actually will encourage uh, my clients, and this is specific to my clients because it is, um, we, we have a portal and everything that um, some folks don't have. But if you want to copy this action sheet to put on your refrigerator that we've, we've now made up, new um, based on results that we've seen where mamas get their kids back then uh, come by the office we will we will give you one we got some printed um, and we'll print more if we need to but the third thing um, that i was going to talk to you about is get certificates if you've went to your classes if you've done parenting classes or you've done alcohol and drug classes or you've done counseling or um, whatever it is that that you were supposed to be doing and that your caseworker was guiding you on then 
get certificates tell your provider i need to get a certificate and i need to get that certificate to my lawyer and to my uh, caseworker and to my child's guardian ad litem like all three of these people need to have that certificate and you need to have a copy of that certificate so um, there's always a, a copy machine available um, at uh, your attorney's office or at the DSS office, whichever one you take the certificate to first, just ask them to make you another copy or two more copies, however many you, you still need, but always keep one for yourself. Um, I think that's all, you know, I'm, I'm sharing today. I'm sharing, I'm sharing from uh, a, a very good perspective of what this mama did to get her kids back. But I'm also sharing from a heavy heart of a lot of mamas that don't get their kids back. And it's very, uh, it's heartbreaking because we see mamas give up a lot of times that really maybe you were near the top of the mountain. You just couldn't see over the other side yet, but you were so close to the top. You couldn't, you didn't know you were that close to the top, but if you had just took one more step or two more steps, you would have been able to, to be over that hurdle. And that's where we're coming from just don't stop taking steps because you really don't know how close you might be to coming up over that mountain and getting those kids placed back with you. And the, the law, the law says in the state of South Carolina that it is presumed to be in the best interest of any child to be in the custody of their biological parents. So don't let anybody tell you any different that your child is better off with these people who can give it this, who can provide this extra bedroom, who can take the child to Disney World. The law says it for a reason that, that the child is presumed to be best in the custody of biological parents. So don't listen to no negativity there. Step up, step out. Put your boots on the ground, do what you got to do. Thank you for joining me today, and I will see you again next Thursday. Let me know your thoughts if you want to um, give me some specific topics to talk about. Have a good afternoon.